Welcome to Dispatches, the official podcast for the Journal of the American Revolution. The Journal of the American Revolution publishes weekly online at www.allthingsliberty.com. For the latest in research, reviews, and commentaries, America's Most Important History is available free of charge at the Journal of the American Revolution. I think that this article uh, really hammers home the point that even the smallest of events uh, can make a big impact on the world. That's Journal of the American Revolution contributor Al Dickinson, and he'll be taking us through a tour of Fallen Timbers National Battlefield. And he's our guest today. I'm Brady Kreitzer, and this is Dispatches. This episode is sponsored by the Small Battle Series, with two new releases, The Battle of Musgrove's Mill, 1782, by John Buchanan, and The Battle of Harlem Heights, 1776, by David Price. Available now wherever books are sold. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Dispatches. I'm your host, Brady Kreitzer. Today our guest is Journal of the American Revolution contributor Al Dickinson, and he'll be discussing his visit, what to see, what he enjoyed, about the Battle of Fallen Timbers Battlefield, outside of Toledo, Ohio. Anyone who's spent any time researching the aftermath of the American Revolution, particularly in the West, will know the importance of fallen timbers. In many ways, as the British and the Americans made peace, the war with Britain's uh, native allies continued in very terrible fashion along our Western frontiers. Al's going to get into all of that. So sit back, relax, and enjoy our interview with Al Dickinson. Al Dickinson, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Brady. Al, you're a first-time guest. Tell us about your background. Sure. Well, I have three Bachelor of Arts degrees in History, Communication, and English from Wisconsin Lutheran College, uh, which is in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh, where I'm a lifelong resident. And I have an interest in a variety of topics, all relating around the American Revolution. specifically like how media has shaped history and shaped the landscape of the American Revolution, as well as the political landscape of the American Revolution, and most importantly, and probably most interestingly to me, how history uh, impacts and forms our present and future. Uh, Personally, I feel as though we can learn a lot from our past, and so my primary interest in the historical uh, writing or preservation, that sort of work, uh, is to connect the past to the present. Uh, in that capacity, uh, or in that interest, I have served as a writer in a variety of different fields, including journalism, marketing, grant writing, uh, academia, and academia, academic adjacent fields, uh, where I always try to relate the past to the present. Uh, either overtly or more subtly, depending on what I'm trying to to create or what the uh, project is. Uh, As I think that in order to know where we're going, we really have to understand uh, where we've been. Um, I've also worked some in the historical preservation uh, industry. Uh, So that's one of the things that kind of uh, got me interested in in some of these articles uh, about the Battle of Fallen Timbers. Al, what made you want to write this article? Sure. Um, so Anthony Wayne was someone who 
uh, kept on popping up in a lot of my history classes, uh, whether they be about Native American history, uh, American Revolution, about the founding era, uh, things along those lines. Uh, you know, he's someone who has some name rec- recognition, but not at the same level as others like George Washington or Jefferson Franklin, uh, people along those lines. Uh, and I, I tend to like to learn about people we don't hear much about. Of course, there's uh, a lot to be learned about some of those other you know, big name founding fathers, but Anthony Wayne is somebody who uh, had a big impact on our history. Uh, and one of the things that was kind of fun was that uh, in one of those classes, a professor of mine uh, told a humorous story about there being this big statue uh, of Anthony Wayne in the middle of Ohio, right off the freeway. And uh, it was hard to pass that up. I was taking a road trip out there, uh, out east earlier this summer. And so I figured, well, it's like he said, it's right off the freeway and there's a big statue of it. It's hard to miss. So I figured I might as well go take a look at it. Could you talk a little bit about the Indian Confederacy that formed during this conflict? Sure. Uh, so the Confederacy, uh, at different times known as the Northwest Confederacy or the United Indian, Indian Nations, uh, was organized or well organized in this period uh, to resist and the intent was to prevent uh, the United States' expansion into the nor- Northwest Territory, uh, which the United States had obtained as part of the Treaty of Paris, which ended the American Revolution. Uh, the Confederacy fought a nearly 10-year-long war with the United States at that time, uh, you know, in the 1780s and into the 90s, uh, which ultimately culminated in the Battle of Fallen Timbers, uh, and then finally the Treaty of Greenville uh, sort of uh, ended that war. Uh, The Confederacy consisted of a bunch of different tribes from the western and southern Great Lakes region, including the Ottawa, Wabash, Delaware, Miami, and more. Uh, At the time of of this battle, the Confederacy was led by uh, Little Turtle and Blue Jacket, but there were a couple. There were other chiefs that were also heavily involved with it, uh, and as well, the Confederacy did have some assistance from the British in Canada, uh, which and they uh, they had a shared interest in keeping the Americans at bay, you know, sort of east of the Appalachian Mountains. Uh, but the Confederacy itself was part of a larger pan pan Indian movement or series of movements that we've seen throughout the history of the United States. Al, tell us how the U.S. government responded. Mm -hmm. Um, So the Northwest Indian War, as it was known, is probably one of the first times that the United States had embarked on an extended military operation post-American Revolution. Uh, In the first few years of the war, there, you know, so starting from 1785 or so to 1789, there really, there wasn't a whole lot of, um, there really weren't a whole lot of encounters. There were maybe a few skirmishes here and there, uh, as Americans, uh, settled further and further west of the Appalachian mountains and into the Ohio river Valley, uh, or even further sometimes into the great lakes region. However, when the constitution was ratified and came into effect, uh, First president, George Washington, uh, wanted a much stronger hold over the area. And so in the early 1790s, he ordered uh, Anthony Wayne to command the Legion of the United States. Uh, 
uh, into that territory and secure the region. Uh, after a period of gathering supplies, building fortifications, um, securing uh, different trade routes and, and uh, supply lines and things along those lines, uh, Anthony Wayne then led the Legion to its victory at Fallen Timbers, and everything sort of dominoed from there. Uh, Fallen Timbers was probably the largest battle of that um, war and certainly the most significant, but there were a few others as well. What happens at the Fallen Timbers battle? Sure. So the battle occurred uh, on August 20th in 1794. Uh, so, you know, would that be 280 some years? Uh, anniversary of it would be coming up shortly, next year probably. Um, and it was really a very short engagement, lasting a little over an hour or so. In a way, the battle was full of surprises. Um, Anthony Wayne had surprised the Indians with his initial march uh, onto the battlefield. Uh, the Native American uh, chieftains had anticipated a, a sort of a lull in his march uh, due to the rains that uh, had occurred earlier that morning on August 20th. Uh, and in the days prior to uh, the battle, they had all uh, fasted in preparation for the battle uh, and so on that morning, as Anthony Wayne was marching towards them, they were all breaking their fast, which kind of caught them off guard as well. Uh, still, even with that all being said, uh, some of the Native Americans were still on the lookout for Wayne and his soldiers, and they actually are the ones that fired the first shots of the battle, uh, which in turn scanned, scattered uh, Anthony Wayne's soldiers. Um, and so a lot of the battle was actually... Anthony Wayne and a few of his lieutenants uh, trying to reform their lines and reform their uh, regiments and divisions to continue that march um, on uh, the Native American warriors who eventually fell back to Fort Miami's, uh, which at that time was being reinforced by the British Canadians, but soon surrendered as well uh, for a variety of reasons. Al, tell us about your visit to the battlefield. What was the land like, and how has it changed over the last 240 years? Sure. Um, so the, the land there today is really uh, very, very beautiful, very serene. I, I imagine it would have been similar, uh, you know, 100 and, or 240 years ago as well. Uh, but today it's... Uh, it's very well kept, whereas during the battle, it would have been um, the name Battle of Fallen Timbers actually comes from the fact that a tornado had passed through uh, the area in the days preceding the battle and uh, scattered all sorts of um, trees and brush and things like that uh, across the battlefield, uh, which actually provided a really good ambush, uh, ambushing location for the Native Americans. Uh, but regardless, today, uh, one of the things that's really, really beautiful of the park is that you get to see this nice long tree tunnel that ends in the uh, memorial to Anthony Wayne. Uh, and then on, and then flanking e uh, either side of Anthony Wayne is 
a memorial to the U.S. soldiers who died and also to the Native American warriors who died. Uh, so that was a really beautiful uh, aspect to see. And you, you see that as you drive into the park. Uh, and then once you, you know, you have to park a little ways away and then you walk to it and you get to see as you're standing underneath uh, Anthony Wayne's Memorial, you get to look out down a little hill across the uh, Maumee River, uh, which was a really nice sight in May when I visited. Uh, everything was looming and uh, it was just really peaceful, really serene scene. Al, what are some of the features of the park that stand out to you? Certainly. Um, so there, uh, there are three uh, memorials uh, in the park itself. Uh, the main statue area uh, portion, which is dedicated to Anthony Wayne. Uh, but then, like I said, on either side, you have um, the... Uh, coolest aspects I think are the, the plaque of names of fallen U.S. soldiers, which gave their regiment, their rank, all sorts of other information, where they were from, that sort of thing, to really, you know, put a put a name to the, the people who otherwise probably would have been lost to history. Uh, but then also on the other side, on the other flank of Anthony Wayne, uh, is the uh, memorial to the Native Americans. Uh, and that includes, they don't name any, they, they only name one specific uh, Native American who died there, uh, Turkey Foot, uh, but they also had um, names of all the Native American tribes who participated in the uh, the battle and in the Confederacy uh, that we talked about. Uh, on the other on the other side uh, of the park, so this is towards the foot end of the park uh, where you initially drive in. Uh, and where the parking lot is, they have a bike trail and a hiking trail that literally runs right through the park, which I think is a really uh, kind of unique aspect to it. You know, it's not often you get to see something that really uh, made it an impact on um, a giant region of the United States memorialized with, you know, pedestrians walking through as, you know, as that's what I saw when I was there. Uh, and so it was one of those things where you could really take your time and, uh, you know, you can walk around the park, but then also, you know, you can go about your way. You can continue on as you celebrate the, the history of the United States. You can continue on your own path, too. Al, if I could ask, what's your favorite part of the battlefield? Sure. Uh, my favorite part was definitely going to be the plaque of names, as it's it's really important, I think, to realize that we are where we are today uh, because so many people made those sacrifices. Um, you know, we talk a lot about specific people who make impacts on history, you know, big name people, say Thomas Jefferson. And without doubt, he had a huge impact on our history and we owe a lot to him. Uh, but it's really great to see the names of the soldiers who died at the battle as well. Um, I think that's really one of the coolest aspects of the park. Um, you get to see the names of the roughly 30 U.S. soldiers who died uh, at on the battlefield. Uh, I, it made me actually kind of wish that there, there was some something comparable done uh, to honor the, the individual Native American warriors who gave their lives in the battlefield as well. Like I said, they, they memorialized uh, Turkey Foot, which is a wonderful... Uh, 
tribute to him. He was the, the only chieftain uh, of the Native American tribe who died on the battlefield. Uh, but And then they gave information about uh, some of the other tribes that were there, but there was nothing to memorialize the the individuals. Uh, and like I said, I think that would be something that would be really special uh, to have. How should we remember an event as complicated as Fallen Timbers? Sure. Um, the Battle of Fallen Timbers and its surrounding events, so things like the Indian, the Northwest Confederacy, uh, the Treaty of Greenville, things like that, I think really opened up uh, the upper Midwest to American settlement. Uh, in a way, it was kind of the westward expansion before the term really came into popular usage or understanding. Uh, and so I think that's a really valuable way of understanding uh, Battle of Fallen Timbers. You know, we, as a Wisconsinite, you know, it's really interesting to think that if this battle had not taken place, would I be here right now, you know, or would there be some other amalgamation of states? Would there be, you know, where would the borders lie, things along those lines? It's a really interesting question to ask. Um, and so while this battle is fairly short and not often talked about, uh, it really had a profound impact on the United States. You know, I, you know the United States is that it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a group of, of states that are, it, it, it's the, the sum of its parts, you know, so it, that's, that's a really interesting way to uh, think about the, the Battle of Fallen Timbers. Uh, and then in addition to that, um, the Battle of Fallen Timbers also uh, where some of the, some other big name people other than Wayne first kind of crop up uh, and, and make an impact in the historical record. So people like uh, William Henry Harrison, who was later president of the United States, uh, Blue Jacket, uh, Little Turtle, uh, people along those lines that uh, ha had impact on the United States history either during that time immediately after or in some places, you know, like William Henry Harrison, you know, he had an impact on the United States, you know, decades later, uh, the War of 1812 or when he was president of the United States himself. So. Al, how do you think this article helps us understand the revolutionary era better? Sure. Uh, I, I think that this article uh, really hammers home the point that even the, the smallest of events uh, can make a big impact on the world. Uh, you know, the Battle of Fallen Timbers was a relatively small engagement. There were, you know, a few thousand men lasted only about an hour. It was in rural Ohio. Uh, there were only a few of you know, those quote-unquote big-name people involved. But then you had a lot of folks who we'll never know how much, how much they impacted history. You know, we'll never know uh, much about them. Their, their names are, I'm not going to say scrubbed from the historical record, but they're not, they're not highlighted, uh, you know, and that's, that's one of the great things about, like I said, the lack of names, uh, but all these things are great. But then because of this event, the Northwest territories were settled. And so, uh, you know, I'm a Wisconsinite because of this battle. It may not be directly because of the battle, but it made an impact on the Great Lakes region uh, as a whole, and then as a whole, the, the United States. Uh, as now, as in the aftermath of that battle, there was a new place for people to migrate to across the Appalachian Mountains, across the Ohio River Valley, uh, you know, things along those lines. Uh, so I think that this article 
uh, you know, like I say, really, really makes the point that even though, even though this isn't, you know, I don't know, the Battle of Concord or something along those lines, it's still a really uh, important aspect uh, of the revolution that it's a, it's a smaller engagement or it's a, it may not have as big of a direct impact or it may not have the same uh, historical residence as, uh, you know, Yorktown or uh, whatever the case may be. It still really made a, a, a big impact on the United States as we know it now and also as it was, you know, 240 years ago. Alan Dickinson, thanks again. Thank you for having me on the show, Brady, and thank you to your listeners. The music played in this episode included works by Kevin McLeod and the Sturbridge Colonial Militia. Any unauthorized reproduction or use of this podcast, without the express written permission of the Journal of the American Revolution, is strictly prohibited. For everyone here at Dispatches, I'm Brady Kreitzer saying so long. <laughs>